What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 100 of the Rubber Muscle Podcast. I'm your host, as always, TJ. And in this episode, I was joined live by Alex of Collision and Combat, the OG of the Rubber Muscle Podcast, the, probably the first 60... I should have counted this before I did this intro, but he definitely was involved in at least, what, half of these episodes. So we thought it was appropriate to get him back on for this anniversary slash milestone edition. We spent the time answering your questions from Instagram. Um, we we actually were delayed by about an hour because we were fucking around trying to trying to find figure out how to get Facebook live streaming with our split screen. We couldn't work it. Technology is not always our friend here at Ruby Muscle, which is kind of strange for an internet based company. But that's just the way it is. So we answered the questions. Um, you will hear a little bit of static from Alex's side. I've tried to clean it up as best you can. You can make out the audio absolutely fine, though. So it, I don't think it interfered with the episode whatsoever. If you want to go and grab 50 free conditioning sessions, you can go and grab them at rubby-muscle.com. You can also check out our supplement guide at tjstrength.com and the Physique Nutrition Crash Course video series. Also on tjstrength.com all those things are absolutely free if you're trying to pack on as much muscle as you can or if you're trying to do any other goal whatsoever just get in touch see if we can help you out that's what rugby muscle was set up for to help out rugby players who want to improve themselves make themselves the best players they can and that's why we are 100 episodes deep in the rugby muscle podcast i really hope you enjoy this episode let's get into it a q a episode 100 with alex of collision and combat Alright, welcome everyone. This is episode 100 of the Rubby Muscle Podcast. After an hour of absolute bullshit from the both of us. Uh, or actually, let's not blame us. Let's blame technology, shall we? Um, after going for over an hour, exploring our live options, we've got it through. We are live with Collision and Combat and Rubby Muscle on Instagram. We're taking any questions that you have to ask us live. We'll answer straight away on the pod. Um, otherwise, we're going to work through a number of questions that we have already been asked. So without further ado, Alex, we're not going to fuck around with the fact of the week. Are you happy about that? I have two facts of the week this week, man. You have two facts of the week? Yeah. Well, save them for the next episode, mate. I'm afraid. Um, We're just going to get straight into it because I think these questions might take a while to get through. Um, And if any of you guys, again, on the live feed want to ask a live question, we'll get to you. Alex, how are you doing anyway, mate? Yeah, good man. I'm pretty tired now. Pretty stressed. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, sorry about this, everybody. But uh, welcome, welcome aboard, Nate. Welcome aboard, Nor. Welcome aboard, E two three six Dan. Good to hear, or good to have all of you here live. Um, okay, so the first question. Let's get straight into it. As I've already said, love the podcast. It's from Abbatistone. He says it loves the podcast. I'm a prop and looking for neck strengthening exercises. Um, oh, Alex. I said neck strengthening. I thought you said propping by just having a better prop. I didn't hear neck strengthening last time. Are you, are you referring to a previous podcast that did not exist? Yeah, sure. Okay, good. All right, so go on then. Some, give me, give us a let's let's look at some neck strengthening exercises for a prop. Okay, well, it's always weird when we've done it before. So basically, scrummage. Yes, yeah, that, that's a special exercise. That's your competition lift. I think that's I think that's like one of the main thing like one of the best things that you can do as well, like in general, yeah. right? Yeah. You're yeah, gonna get not. in a lot of scrummaging. 
getting good technique, keep working on that technique, and eventually that neck neck will strengthen out. You look at wrestlers, you look at any top scrummagers, you even look at real old school scrummagers like before, you know, like those old fuckers in like the early nineties or late eighties and stuff that. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't even have gyms back then, man. But these guys had huge necks. And that's why, from just a lot of scrummaging. So that's that's easy, the best way to bring up your neck. Um, yeah, for sure. And then if you look at, like, more direct work or, like, pseudo-isolation work, there's kind of wrestling bridges. like Wrestling bridges, yeah. Yeah, they're pretty brutal neck strength. And then that level down from there, this, like, four-way neck stuff. Uh, yeah. Both in isolation and dynamically. So when I say isolation, I mean both like the static movements where it's a weight you're holding you can do it like hey mate we're on it we're on a live video so you can actually go ahead and show this exercise right i'm not showing a fucking wrestling bridge no but oh, show, okay so essentially everyone knows that warm-up where you put your hand on your forehead your hand on your side do that sort of stuff right and you just push against it manual resistance that's going to be an easy way of doing neck strengthening you can also use flexion just make sure you go through all directions but you can go use a cable or a band and that would also be an easy way to do some neck strengthening um with that though i've got to give a few precautions on neck strengthening exercises go light go easy and like Add volume slowly over time because the last thing you want to do is fuck up, have a sore neck. I mean, especially if you're in season, especially if you're propping, you'd be fucked if, you, if your neck's buggered going into a game. But, uh, yeah, sure. you're right. So, well, listen, I think just be that. careful about that. Go on, mate. One more thing that like there's levels between putting weight up. So, if you're using like a band, for example, or a cable, there's before adding weight. Like add something like a bit of perturbation to it, and then yeah. you're looking at more controlling what you have first before you're loading up. Um, perturbation just means like disruption. Yeah. So if so, if you got bands, like say you're doing this, um, like a lateral band, so bands on your head going this way, uh-huh. you like get someone to tap on the band lightly, add a bit yeah. of disruption to the movement, and control that first before you add weight. Nice, I like that. Yeah, so go slowly, 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 slowly add weight. Um, and then yeah just be really careful with it make sure you've got everything under control before moving up would you ever do anything under say like 12 to 15 reps I mean I think there's a case for most rep ranges I'd probably treat it like pull ups and some of the elbow work where I tend not to stray under 5 reps yes Um, I mean I, I wouldn't not for neck I mean, yeah. not at least after like years and years of stuff. Static holds should be quite. I mean, that's enough anyway for a prop because that's yeah quite specific. I that. Yeah, for sure. So, I think that's that's. I think that's a good start. Um, you can also do like the bridges and stuff using a Swiss ball or a um, what's the uh, the Bosu ball. Yeah. Those are good ways of getting in, easing into it a little bit. But other than that, yeah, just the, the most important thing with neck strength stuff and, and, like, yeah, neck strength or any sort of quirky exercise is to be consistent with it. So most people end up going and doing neck strength work or neck work, and they do it for about a week and a half, and then yeah, they just fucking forget long about long, it. Yeah. So you're not really going to get an adaptation. Make sure that it's, like, small enough that it's not – because it's all very well in your first two weeks when you're really amped up and you're like, yeah, I really need to make a massive neck. But then, you know, after over time, over time, you're like, you, you take, it adds an extra 20 minutes to your gym session. You just can't be arsed with it. And you're not going to do it. So 
start slowly and build into it. Like I think one more point in that as well. Some traps. Yeah. I was going to say traps is like a huge one. Um, Like definitely like look at building out your traps at the same time as building out your neck, if not maybe a little bit before. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. Next question. Um, How big is too big for rugby? There's some fucking monsters out there. Yeah. I mean... Go on. If you can can move, like, if you can fulfill... Excellent. Excellent. This is great. This is what happens when we go live. Brilliant. You had a... In the middle of the Instagram feed. (laughs) Oh, okay. If you can fulfill your, like, performance criteria, it doesn't fucking matter how big you are. Yeah. Yeah. So it depends on the style that you want to play. It depends on um, how well you sit at any weight. But there's no there's no direct answer. Um, there's also no direct like correlation or, or answer to saying necessarily that being ripped is actually going to help you as well. I mean, I'd probably say it's going to hinder you. I mean, it depends. Everyone's different, right? Because there are some people that can only be ripped. There are some people, like look at Daniel Cormier, you know, like if you look at MMA... He's the best in the world, and he's been at light heavyweight and heavyweight, and he's just got—he is Captain Dadbod, so he owns that. He's done all right. The only thing I would say about being too big for rugby is, yeah, like I say, stay athletic as you're putting on size. Um, yeah. And if you have natural size, you don't like too big. I would say is if you're working on size, you're working on strength, you're doing all that sort of stuff, you're doing all the weights. Um, but you're already strong enough and you're not doing the conditioning stuff. You know, you're yeah, not doing your speed work. Metrics are down, shit. Yeah. And, and those performance metrics are up to you. So you can like, you know, we've, we've said this time and time again, if you've got a 200 kilo squat and you're a fly half, you probably don't need to carry on working on your squat. Um, that's not necessarily saying that it's too big. It's saying that you are better working in other areas of your game. So, I would say that's that's what too big is. And then the other thing about being too big is um, if you get injured a lot. So if you don't do your prehab, like oh, look yeah, at a lot of the, So there's a lot of um, players in the NFL. Um, well, not a lot, but there's enough players in the NFL. I mean, look at Manu Tuolagi is a case in point that if you are just that big, every one of your impacts is going to be that much bigger and it's going to be that much harder to stay Free, injury free so most of your work should probably end up just being prehab and if you look at Manitou Alangi actually it's funny like most of his stuff is prehab yeah um, it's on that note on the, on the guys if you're a bigger guy don't dial back your running don't feel like you have similar treadmill if you're like you're not working conditioning it's just going to fucking beat you up get in the pool get on the like, cross train or something but you still have to do specific work for running but he doesn't have any miles of it yeah, I like that. Cool. Um, Dave Harrison, 86, says, is there a best day to train legs based on the game day and training, or Saturday game day and training Tuesday and Thursday? Tuesday, mate. Uh, best day to train legs, probably going to be Tuesday. Um, if you want, an, if you want a, a, a 
right out answer. It's probably going to be Tuesday um, because you want Tuesday's going to be your toughest uh, rugby session. Uh, legs, if you're doing a like body different body part splits, legs is also going to be a toughest session. You want those both to happen on the same day, ideally, so that you can start recovering. You've got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to recover for your game on Saturday. You've then got Sunday and Monday to recover from your game and get back into uh, heavy legs. Um, but I would say that probably that's the wrong question to ask. Wouldn't you agree, yeah. Alex? Yeah, I think, I think the question is wrong. I think you're looking at the wrong point of view. Like, it needs to be thought about in context of where you need to be and what your training play schedule is like. Um, I don't know more. But, uh, um, yeah, I can't answer that. That last thing, that last thing was, a, was, a, um, was just a noise from you. I have no idea what you said. But I think what you... But, um, yeah, it is a bad question. I would say if you're in season, you've got to be training full body. I don't think you should be training legs like that. You just don't have the recovery ability to train legs for an hour for a full leg session. Yeah. You're better off splitting that up, doing a little bit on the Monday, like the power stuff if you can, get some blood flowing. More on a Tuesday again because of the points I've said before. And then you can split up even more volume through Wednesday, Thursday. Probably not Friday, but yeah, that's how I would do it. I wouldn't do body parts. Body part splits are, they're not good. Yeah, not they're, quite. They're not how you should be training. Um, and if you want to know how you should be training, rugby-muscle.com, check it out. Here's an interesting idea. If, you, if we look at um, getting the optimal training split for yourself, why don't you just test it, change it out? What do you mean? So try squatting on Tuesday as you call on Saturday. Right. On Wednesday, Easy. If it's better, change it. If it's not better, yeah. But the 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 most important thing I would say is to make sure that you're not going crazy. Yeah. Uh, with the yeah, volume on one day, like next one. Cool. Next one. Does rear foot position height? How far away have an impact of the effectiveness of a Bulgarian split squat? That was old Tommy Hewitt, our Aussie mate. It's a good question. Does, does foot position have a yeah? If you change angles. Of a movement, it's going to have an effect on the movement. All right, you pompous prick. How does the rear foot position affect it? Well, look at the change the angles around the joint. The tighter an angle around the joint, the more that the muscles are open and closer to it are going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the higher yeah. your foot on the on a bench, if we're talking rear foot elevated split squat, the higher your foot. It's going to allow you to, well, you can also, so the most advanced variation, I think, right, is if you've got your front foot elevated and your back foot elevated, because that's going to allow you to get some stupid amount of depth. And it's hardest because it targets the quads, but it's it's hardest because of that ridiculous amount of depth that you can get, because you can drop that back knee all the way down, stretch out a good, get a good old stretch out on the front of that quad and and the hip as well. Um, and then as your foot goes lower and well first off you'd, you'd lower your front foot then you'd lower and lower and lower your back foot essentially the further back your foot is and the lower your your back foot is the more you're not gonna you're the more you're gonna target posterior right that's how i that's how i see it but it there's a there's a bunch of different ways to look at it and it's it's almost impossible to sort of just tell by yeah and yeah. you'll see some people will lean forward Yes. Like a lot in that kind of position, and some people will be more upright in that position. Like, I don't know. 
Yeah. I, uh, I mean, so lunges and uh, Bulgarian split squats or Riffa elevated split squats in general, like there's a lot at play. And I think that if you're doing them right, um, you're going to feel them the next day and it's kind of down to you to be like, oh, it's my ass or oh, it's my quads because it, it can be absolutely different. Yeah, like you say, depending on your own technique, depending on how your body looks, um, all those sorts of things. Yeah. But I think as a general rule of thumb, uh, as your foot goes down and as your foot goes further away from you, you're going to end up targeting a little bit more posterior hamstrings and glutes. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. Sweet. Now that one. Next question. hope that helps, Tommy. Um, hold on. The next question is going to be from Brooksy. Ideal match day diet, say for a 2.30 p.m. kickoff, pre and post, and breakfast the next morning? Yeah, you're, you're a nutrition guy, mate. You do that. Yeah, so, um, again, in, it's, it's entirely individual. Um, I would experiment, but I'd experiment with different meals um, ahead of, like, ideally, what we would do is we'd do this in pre-season. We'd experiment with a few different foods, see you get on, take notes, and then overall refine it refine it refine it as we get into the actual season now if we're talking pre and post and the next morning um pre we're going to be looking for minimal vegetables because we don't want um we don't want to be digesting anything whilst that game is going on we do want a decent bit of fats ideally we want our glycogen stores to be filled from the day before so that we're not you know we're not bloating we're not doing anything like that we're just getting a decent bit of carbs in the whole day before we've done a previous episode of the podcast on this actually about how you would prepare for it so go ahead and listen to that not too much has changed except again a bit more individuality i would say for those choices eat foods that you enjoy that you can get through if you notice that you feel hungry going into a game or into a warm-up um try and delay your meal a bit more maybe like an hour before the warm-up but for the most part it'll be a couple hours before the warm-up as long as you've got some good food in there you should be fine i used to do one hour before before warming up and i used to just puke every every single warm-up and i always thought it was nerves and then all i did was eat a little bit earlier and i stopped puking (laughs) I was oh, like, oh shit, maybe if there's no... Yeah, and it just worked. I was like, oh shit, I didn't puke no more. So that worked out really well. Then in terms of post, depends how hard you worked. It's impossible to gauge that from like a perfect recovery standpoint. But post, let's, um, let's talk about let's being talk social. To... Yeah, that's all about. Let's have bring up. But there's a social aspect to rugby. Don't just eat like a crick because you you want to be jacked. Yeah. Like, join in with the team. The team's got a meal, eat the team meal. Yeah, have um, but have a big water. Get in a get in a bunch of calories, and then you can almost gauge from how you feel, uh, how you weigh the next day. Those sorts of things will help you gauge how much you want to eat the next day. If you can even get a good recovery session in, but you also remember if you're if you're doing it by just weight, remember how much you could be de- potentially dehydrated. So, water is key to smashing after the game, um, and then breakfast the next morning. Again, however you feel. Um, but again, going that's probably when you want to try and go a little bit more um, veg and carb heavy and fats heavy, like the foods that you didn't eat yeah. before a game. You can sort of try and cram in extras then. But again, whatever you enjoy, whatever's going to help you chill the fuck out and recover, right? Because if you're having the perfect meal that you hate, like, I don't know, chicken, broccoli and rice the day after a game, you ain't going to recover because you'll be like, fuck this, I don't want to eat this food. And then that's that stress is going to impact your recovery. Yeah, there's a well-being aspect to this. Uh, exactly. Take a step back, look at the bigger picture. 
Cool. Uh, any benefit to uh, Sean Reynolds asks any benefit to mixing creatine in with your protein shakes, or would you just take them separately? It does not matter. Um, Creatine, actually, actually, no, I've got an actual benefit. You're going to say the same thing as me, right? And I'm going to say downside to it. I know, no, say the good side. Have you got a good side? I mean, I guess you only have to drink one shake. Huh? But I've got more of a downside. Tell me what your good side is. That you don't have to drink one shake? You only have to drink one shake. Yeah, convenience, right? Well, mine was timing, right? Because I have a... That's what the biggest issue I have with supplements is how awkward they are to take consistently every day. So if you if you mix in your creatine with your protein shakes and you know that you have a protein shake every day, boom. You're set. Yeah. Um otherwise it doesn't matter when you get creatine in, it's it's literally however you can stay the most consistent. And so Yeah. yeah. I mean I'm a bit of a downside because some people might get it. So creatine can cause like the gastric distress in some people. If you're one of those people Protein may cause some gastric distress as well. Probably don't double down on that shit. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so bloating essentially. Yeah. If you feel a little bit of a bloat from your protein shake, well, first off, if you feel a little bloat from your protein shake, switch up your protein shake. Um, and then secondly, yeah, if you don't mix it then with creatine. Um, and if you do feel like you get a bloat from creatine, lower your dose. Yeah, for sure. Or just take, don't have, just don't have the same dose at the same time. In a sense, you're split in half. Doesn't matter when you're taking it. It's not like, it's not time for anything. Boom, boom, boom. All right. Last question of this round of questions, I guess, I think. We've done. Yep, yep. Uh, Bobby Arms <laughs> asks, <laughs> quickest quickest way to cut weight effectively? Legs. Take your leg off. Yeah. Your legs are the heaviest. Just chop that off. Yeah. You might survive. I mean, you're definitely not going to survive if you chop your head off. If your arm comes off, it's not as heavy as your leg. How do you, wait, how do you jump off your arm? Off? I mean, you, you've got another arm. Oh, mate. Didn't even think about it. Mine's um, You only have one no. arm that you jerk off with? Poison. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, the quickest way to lose weight, man. Yeah. I mean. Top answer, mate. Go on. Quickest way to lose weight. Yeah, just don't eat. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, also, well, so obviously we're going to be dicks about this question because that's just their now nature. Um, cut water cutting is an effective way to lose weight. If you're talking about losing fat, um, let's be honest. The the quickest way to do it effectively, if you really had someone that wanted to get as shredded as they could for uh, a shoot or whatever, and they had no choice, and they're like, "Look, I've got two weeks, or I've got three weeks, I've got as minimal. Like, I want to do it as soon as possible." You'd, I would radically lower their training volume. And like I say, I would do protein sparing modified fat. So I'd eat, I make sure I hit my daily protein need. I'd probably bump that up to 1.5. So say if you're one gram of protein per kilo, uh, two grams of protein per kilo or one pound of protein per pound, I'd bump that up even extra just to make sure you're yeah, definitely covered. Yeah. I would get in some uh, I'd get in a decent serving of carbohydrates only after you work out um, I'd get a decent serving of fat um, before you work out and then other than that I'd, I'd go as low as I could on all of that other stuff and I'd just basically yeah and then like if you're going to do that and come into shoots you can do some depletion workouts maybe yeah. some kind of water salt but if anything I, I would actually lower that workout volume massively so that you so that you, you don't have to worry about 
you know, recovering and doing all that stuff. Like, really, you just want to pull as much. Um, and well, because also working out doesn't add a lot of calories to your BM, your total uh, daily calorie needs. Most of that just comes from surviving. So rather than bump your hunger up a lot, bump your needs up and, and, and potentially risk losing muscle by, you know, lifting a bunch of weights, doing real hard training. Actually, I would train less hard so that you don't have to be hungry. You don't have to have all those nutrients. You don't risk losing muscle. And then you would just cut all of those, um, cut the calories right down. And that would be a real effective way. Crash dieting, this is, I might do a podcast about this in the future, but crash dieting can be incredibly effective. But it's, the problem is what happens with most people is it's exiting the crash diet and then they fuck up because they haven't had good habits in the first place. If you have good habits in the first place, a crash diet can be incredibly effective. But, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, go on. I'm going to ask this about being a dick now. Yeah. Um, more low-intensity cardio is as much as your brain can handle yeah, just walk all the time, keep yeah, moving. Um, and and then the other thing is, quickest way to cut weight effectively, prioritize cutting weight. All right, that's your the, again the like one of always with these some of these questions is uh, the quickest way to anything is to make sure that is a priority, right? If so, you're not doing a hypertrophy trying to gain as much muscle as you can program. You're not doing you know, you're not fucking around with anything else. You're thinking about. Right, what training can I do that is going to give me the most amount of calories, but it's not going to make me hungry, it's not going to risk muscle loss, all that sort of stuff. Um, so he- some people say heavy strength stuff. Um, I think as long as you're staying as strong, you, you, need a de- you need enough volume, but I would bump that frequency quite like all the way down. Yeah, I agree with that. Extensive. More rest days, more real low-calorie days, and you should be good. Um, and yeah, Boom. Yeah. That was a round of applause. I think we've we've answered all the questions, mate. Sweet. So I can go. You can go. Um, your sound. I you can turn that fan off behind you finally as well. Well, it's not that top, mate. Well, this has been a pleasure, mate. Can you believe it? Any reflections on 100 episodes of the Rubber Muscle Podcast? It works really well when we do it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah it's good i love these questions i love helping out everyone um if you want you can go ahead and grab 50 free rugby conditioning sessions from rugby-muscle.com you receive our full support from there as well um and then if you have any questions that you'd like answered on the podcast or just on an email just send us an e- just reply to the email with the 50 free conditioning sessions and we'll get straight back to you um if you want to learn about how to diet tjstrength.com um, and you will down, you can download our 50 free, 50 free rubber conditioning sessions. That's the other one. This one is our free physique nutrition video crash course series, and you can da- you can understand exactly how you should be eating and enjoying your diet for the future. Again, that's at tjstrength.com. Alex, anything else you want to plug, mate, or just plug this Instagram? No, I'm good, man. I'm yeah, you can see. You can see Alex occasionally deadlift at collision underscore and underscore combat. He posts his stuff there. Sometimes he posts other stuff of like other women also dead, like other women, like you're a woman. Women deadlifting um, and yeah, all sorts of fun stuff like that. It's mostly me deadlifting, yeah. Sweet. Yeah, 100 awesome. 100 episodes 
I am. I'm happy, mate. I'm happy. Good man. Right, um, I'm gonna make a move, mate. Okay. Yep. We're gonna get out of here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you in the next episode.